The views and opinions expressed on WXOJLP are solely those of the original hosts of their respective programs. These views and opinions do not necessarily represent those of Valley Free Radio Incorporated, its volunteers, or any other hosts, guests, or programs on this station. Due to the ongoing pandemic and to follow social distancing guidelines, this episode of Civil Politics was pre-recorded over Skype. All right. Um, do we know what we're talking about? I mean, <laughs> I know. <laughs> I think you should leave that in. Good evening, and welcome to Civil Politics here on Valley Free Radio, WXOJLP 103.3 FM out of Northampton, Massachusetts. I'm Michael Dow, and I'm joined uh, tonight by John Roberts and Sue Timberlake. Happy New yeah. Year, everybody! Oh, yeah! <laughs> and uh, we're recording this just a few hours before midnight local time on the 31st. So uh, our voices are coming to you from the very last drops, the bitter, stinking re- remnants of 2020. Uh, coming to you in what I hope are the the the, the glorious, beautiful new dawn of 2021. <laughs> yeah, that's that's how it works. That's how that works. <laughs> you know, 20, 2020 is hindsight, but I am never looking back at this. Yeah, one. no <laughs> kidding. <laughs> Remember back in 2016 when when a lot of celebrities <laughs> were passing away and everybody's like, oh, God, screw 2016. It'll never be this bad. Oh, uh, I I said the first part, but not the second part. A lot of people were like, this is the worst. (laughs) Nope. Yeah, it's been rough. It's been rough. Did we learn anything from it? That's the question. I don't know. Well, that's actually kind of what I'd like to focus on in uh, this episode, uh, uh, because I I think this is a good moment. Um, We are recording for the very first day of... 2021, uh, uh, arguably the start of a new decade, uh, the the 21st year of uh, the the well, the 20th year of the 21st century, and uh, in 20 days from now, the start of Joe Biden's uh, presidential administration, and the new Congress is coming in on the on the the 6th of January, and so yeah, it's a it's it's a big deal. Um, it's a time of transition Control and change. Has- and control has, won't have been decided yet. Yep. For the Senate, we won't know. We don't know. No, yeah. we won't know until uh, next week's show uh, how the runoffs in Georgia went. My, my fingers are crossed for the Democrats to win both seats, but we'll see. So, but just, can I get you? Can I just sue? Yeah. What do you want out of that? I'm just. Uh, I just. I just wanted to. I just want to. I was wanted, hiding like, under a rock and hoping that you hadn't seen me. Oh no. <laughs> Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> You've seen those cartoons with the little black hole in the two eyes just looking out. <laughs> Sue's, like, Sue's over uh, here like shifty eyes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I guess if I had to say what I want, what I really hope is that we have some much better leadership and direction and action on things like climate change. And, you know, people people doing things who can get it done. And this this gridlock, this this stuff is awful. And just the petty games. I mean, I think we're all embarrassed for 
you know, sort of what isn't isn't happening and, you know, vaccines not rolling out and all that stuff. I mean, it's just the incompetence is everywhere. And I think, I mean, you and I, Mike, were talking before the show about how when you're elected king, you don't have to have all the credentials, you know, in the olden days. And, you know, I just I'm, I hanker for people with credentials and know how to do things. I just, you know, this lack of professionalism or all the technocrats are missing. I mean, Dr. Fauci is a gift. He's he's. Oh, yeah. Stands well, alone in this, Dr. All right, so Dr. I think Fauci. we've determined that Sue is pulling for Democratic control of, of Senate. All right, now we can Sounds move like. on. Yeah. <laughs> I can say that. Careful not to say that. Confidence. Right. Confidence. We're looking for confidence. Come on, then right. you then you so. do not want Mitch McConnell in charge. Then. Well, he's highly confident in what he wants to do. It's just I wish he'd let people vote. I just do. He, he, if he stays in control, then he will never let people vote. Well, yeah. and the only anyway. reason he's able to not let people vote is because his Republican caucus backs him in doing so. Mm-hmm. It, it wouldn't take many defections to just for them to be like, no, let's call this to a vote. Let's get get this done. You know, yeah. like that, that could easily happen and they don't do it. So. Yeah. Mitch yeah, McConnell is, is, that, is the focal point. We're not going to go into that tonight. Yeah, well, I was I was just uh, like I haven't I haven't yeah. been able to to speak with you guys in a couple weeks, so um, yeah. I'm like, hmm. <laughs> well, he, he's <laughs> the focal point. The and, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> What's going on there? Um, but we were we were going to talk about um, just the general. Yeah, that that's kind of, you know, like in this nominal role of me being the host, that's kind of what I was building up to. But, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, Sorry about some that. of you are some of you, genre, are just like <laughs> unable to control yourselves. <laughs> I've had some caffeine. I'm, I apologize. <laughs> Premature elocution. Yeah. Well, yes. So, uh, Sue, you, you mentioned the you, you referenced the conversation we were having before the show and. I've been I was thinking about, um, you know, Donald Trump's presidency because it's almost over and we have a, a new Congress coming in. So there's a, a potentially a lot of a big change coming or potentially a lot of gridlock coming. Um, and I thought this might be a good time to to look back and look forward. So, um, yeah, I, I, I thus I, I I bring this up. So. Just to begin with, uh, two quick two things I was thinking, which I will try to be quick about. But for one, um, uh, the Donald Trump's presidency is reminding me of, uh, you know, the way things used to be back before we had democracies with you know uh, professional civil service. We had monarchies, and you know, Donald Trump has uh, been a crappy president the way say. Charles the first of England or Louis the sixteenth of France were really crappy kings, you know, who didn't know how to run things and really screwed things up uh, trying to get their way. Um, and you know, uh, <coughs> Trump uh, managed to find ways to profit off of his office without having to uh, actually, you know, call for measures to for Congress to vote on putting putting money directly in his pocket. But, uh, you know, the, it might've come to that if, if he'd stayed in office, who knows? Um, but just it, it's, 
the the decision making class in uh America is just not the same as it was then uh you know yeah uh uh you know i think there's probably still uh a fair argument that we have like a a ruling elite in this country and that the people who are making the decisions are often born into it but it's not a formal thing you know we don't have like a king who is crowned and is you know argue you know some argue anointed by god it's just it's a, it's a completely different kind of vibe you know how whatever else you think about it trump did actually campaign for the job of president and millions of people did actually vote for him uh to do yeah, it. even popularity though popularity contest even even though he actually lost the popularity contest both times so i mean even when you talk about the kennedys uh right you know like they they they're thought of as basically an uh america's uh one of our rule, noble families. Yeah, one know, of like American royalty or something. Like the the Kennedys had to work for all of that power. Like they um like at some point the Ken like someone in the Kennedy line was like, I'm gonna make a lot of money. And then and then people further down the line were like, Okay, so I'm gonna use this money to run for president. And it wasn't just because someone was born. Yeah, uh, like right. JFK actually had to work and and campaign he he was easier for him it was easier for him exactly he was in the service he was in the service like he there were there were there are paths that are that are very easy for people to take some people to take excuse me to get into power but the but actually getting there you actually have to travel a path uh which is different from you know royalty it's like yeah it's just his last name's like J- Jack Royal, yeah. so now he's a royal. <laughs> you know, you could name your son Baron. That would kind of do it. <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> Sorry. No, you're not. <laughs> no, I'm not. Uh, so anyway, well, uh, you know, well, it's and, like Major and, and, Garrett. I mean, who named him that? <laughs> well, and and the 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 Kennedy family wealth came from. Uh, JFK's dad, who I believe made his money as a bootlegger during Prohibition, yeah, and and manipulated the stock market. Ah, sure, that makes sense too. So, <laughs> so, so they put him in charge of the stock market at one point too, because he knew being how. Being a criminal <laughs> is being a criminal is hard work. It it certainly yeah. is. Um, <laughs> to be smart to not I get caught. Know, I, guess. I, I didn't know he was in. He was uh, uh, had authority at the New York Stock Exchange. Mostly, I I heard about yeah. him uh, serving as ambassador to uh, to the to the to the court of St James in England, uh, and say you know in the 1930s and basically uh, advocating, uh, uh, saying the heck with the British, we should align with Hitler. So that was uh, hey. Yeah. Uh, well, and oh. they put him in charge of reforming reforming the stock market because of what happened. But yeah, Man, oh, speaking of fascism, well, he liked Hitler because you know he was a Kennedy and very pro Irish, and so right, you know. <laughs> but anyway, um, that that is certainly looking back. Um, so looking forward, and you notice there were no women in that royal family that got to be i mean now the younger ones are but yeah it was very male dominated absolutely the kennedy family absolutely yeah. well it's a different time well so one of the 
one of the the things about you know the way things used to be uh, in say you know the 17th or 18th century or whatever is nobody were professionals you know like you didn't have professional civil servants you didn't have you didn't have professional scientists uh yeah, so, also, didn't you didn't you have like uh, yeah silversmiths and people sure. that could shoe horses and make leather oh sure um, sure sure but there there weren't research craft. but you didn't have like you know research laboratories doing work on you know biomedical research or you know developing you know new uh uh you know materials to use for you know spacecraft or whatever you know like just the the whole scientific industrial complex is absolutely uh c- comes out of the 19th century here in the USA and you know and and really took off following uh world war world wars 1 and 2 because uh you know science and industry made a huge difference uh, were, were key to the success of the United States in those two wars, and uh, the people in power paid attention. But that's again, that's that's looking back, and I, I don't want to sort of <laughs> drone on and on about things I learned in grad school. <laughs> yeah, we do want to look forward tonight. Hopefully, right, at right. some point. <laughs> yeah. So, but the you know, if there's if there's one thing I think that that characterizes a difference between the 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 administrative styles of Donald Trump and uh Joe Biden it's Joe Biden actually believes in uh having professionals people who have you know <coughs> earned degrees and had work experience and you know demonstrated uh, uh a sense of professionalism you know they've 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 gone through hiring processes and they've been vetted uh uh by uh you know they you know they've passed exams and and otherwise you know satisfied requirements and whatnot and and donald trump doesn't believe in that and you know if you remember his first cabinet members they were they were pretty strong players a lot of them not the not some of them but But, notice his uh, mattis and and uh, mnuchin and all those folks actually have a high level of sure and they were skill in their fields and and they left and well, most of them left the ones who, uh, you know, had some semblance of whatever integrity. But notice also who was Trump's first White House chief of staff, Steve Bannon. And Steve Bannon said explicitly like his goal in the Trump administration was to dismantle the administrative state. You know, and part true, of what the administration. Well, part of what the administrative state means, it means things like the Centers for Disease Control. It means the National Institutes of Health. It means people like Dr. Anthony Fauci being given the authority to oversee our nation's response to a pandemic that's killed over 300,000 Americans. But you aren't saying that Steve Bannon wasn't talented. I mean, he was a naval officer and, you know, he had really high credentials, even though he, you know, spent a he lot was... of time in some of the yellow journalists. I'm using that as a historical term, mm. yellow journalism. But that right part is definitely the... yellow journalism. Yeah, he's 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 definitely accomplished. Didn't he go to the um, oh, what's the Naval Academy? Was it? Oh, I can't think of it. Well, I mean, going to a specific school, going to having like specific like jobs in your past does not mean that you're qualified for something. That means you have experience in it. Like Donald Trump went to a military school and he cheated on on his tests and stuff, you know, like I hadn't heard that. 
Yeah, well, I he mean, didn't go to like his SATs anyway. He always says he did, but that was undergrad. So, yeah, yeah, true enough. But I just meant that Steve Bannon was accomplished in his own in his own rights before Steve Bannon Trump was very accomplished at grifting and taking and making money off of uh, making money and taking and getting power off of anger. But he was very good at it. He was incredibly good at it. Um, West Point was he a West Point grad? I forget where he went. I I don't know. Yeah. Well, and it's I mean it's sort of are we mixing are we are we mixing categories together because people can be very accomplished in their field and still be a grifter. That's true. So, and like I like I, I said, like he's very accomplished as a grifter. Like he's he's incredibly good at, at as way, you, doing that. Well, I think it's, have you I guys think it's, read Mike Tyabi's book, uh, The Grifters, or The Griftocracy? It was early on in um, Trump's that he came out with it. You know the journalist uh, Matt Mark Tyabi? Ty, Matt Tyabi. I'm killing his last name, but <laughs> yeah. I, I know who he is. I haven't read the book. Oh, pretty good. If, you know, sort of about the whole. We'll We'll probably talk about some of his points later. Steve Bannon um, graduated from uh, Benedictine College Preparatory, uh, which is a military high school. He then graduated from Virginia Tech um, and with a bachelor's in urban planning and uh, then uh, a master's degree in national security from Georgetown University uh, and then earned a master of business uh, from Harvard Business. He did not go to West Point. Oh, I thought he was went to a naval. So Virginia Tech, though. That's, he that's was in the Navy. He's an officer of the Navy on a destroyer. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. Anyway. Well, and when we were talking about Kennedy, John Kennedy, you know, some of his claim to fame was running uh, PT-109 and saving his men and, you know, sort of earning his stripes in the School of Hard Knocks. So, I mean, I'm just trying to sort out what's the what's the credential that you're looking for well i one thing that i is perhaps uh uh worth mentioning um the uh 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 famous uh uh paleontologist uh stephen j gould wrote a really uh good article which i I think we can find a, a link for it but um he he wrote an article about uh uh you know, statistics and baseball. And he said, like, you know, why is it that, you know, people ask, why hasn't anyone hit 400 for a season since Ted Williams did it in 1946? And like what they one one thing people miss about that is that, yeah, we it's been a long time since we've had people who hit 400, but it's also been a long time since we've had people who hit 100. Like as baseball has gotten better, as people have become more professional uh, and as generations of knowledge have piled up, you know, the statistical outliers have disappeared. So the people who are really bad at baseball aren't getting to play professional baseball anymore. And the people who are really good at it are, you know, increasingly unable to, I mean, you know, they're, they're, they're playing baseball, but like they're increasingly playing at, at their appropriate level of competition. So they're not able to, to just stand head and shoulders above everybody else in the way that they did in the 19, say 1940s or 1930s. And, um, if I remember correctly, uh, 
he, you know, went on to uh, talk about, you know, some reasons for this. And one reason is that, you know, being a professional, uh, having like, you know, extensive training and experience, uh, doesn't prevent you from making serious mistakes and, you know, misreading a situation and thinking, you know, one thing's going on. In fact, another is the problem or whatever. Um, but that professionals, uh, you know, professional experience and sort of the, the knowledge of how things done in a, in a, in a discipline that's had time to, uh, mature is that there are a lot of like rookie mistakes that you just avoid. You know, you don't do things that, uh, the talented amateurs will do because you know not to do them. And the Trump administration has repeatedly made exactly those kinds of mistakes, you know, like they've, uh, uh, you know, wanted to put forth, you know, executive orders, you know, banning Muslims or whatever, uh, or, or various other measures that have gotten in the, gotten in the way. And, um, uh, the, uh, current secretary of, uh, Homeland Security is an acting secretary and, uh, his, uh, a court recently ruled that his tenure, uh, past, uh, uh, I think 200 days was entirely, um, w- was invalid so that everything he's, he's been doing, uh, is, is not, has overturned. Legal, it gets overturned. Like he has no legal authority to issue the directives he's been doing. So, you know, uh, you know, anything that's been challenged in court, you know, is going to succeed because, you know, he, he doesn't have the authority to make those di- directives. And it's not that, uh, there was no way for him to be appointed correctly, but the Trump administration didn't do it the right way, you know? Um, and you know, that's, that's sort of typical for Trump is he makes these mistakes and, uh, or his, his people make these mistakes and just do things the wrong way. And, you know, I, I don't expect too much of that coming from the Biden administration. Um, and I also expect the Biden administration to care about making sure that, uh, thousands of Americans don't die of a disease that we could prevent <laughs> and uh, <laughs> make sure that people aren't driven out of their homes because of, you know, uh, a complete indifference to their plight. So, you know, all of that matters. Know, well, you know, sometimes yeah. when competition breaks out, you get a lot of un- entrepreneurial and you have a lot of young people trying things in companies I've worked for that I could tell them, you know, we've done that before and that doesn't work. Mm-hmm. But the truth is sometimes they're great ideas that break through and they're actually, you need new blood and you need the ability to have things and make mistakes and, and do things the wrong way. So I, I hear what you're saying about professionalism and, you know, the professional class and the political class. At the same time, you know, we're a really successful c- country because we have, you know, small businesses do things unlike any of the big businesses and the competition breaks out and it disrupts whole economies like Uber and Lyft and, you know, all kinds of things that change the way you do business. So isn't Lyft think, owned by General Motors? I mean, they, these are, it probably these is are billion yeah. dollar companies. I wouldn't exactly call them small businesses. No, but the way they started was they disrupt, they, they took a, like an application and they disrupted you know, everybody said you can't do it that way. You have to be licensed. You know, you can't give people a ride in your car unless you're 
you know, quarried and made sure that you're not in a, you know, an axe murderer. And, and, you know, a rookie mistake is to have a taxi driver that's, you know, a horrible criminal. But the truth is it changed the whole industry. So I kind of get your argument, but I don't know that professionalism and caste systems, because sometimes professionalism is just a way to protect the people that are already doing the job. You know, it isn't necessarily... that's true, but on the other hand, I don't think Lyft and Uber are good examples of 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 positive disruption. <laughs> you know, but that um, that entrepreneurialism sometimes people just say, you know, young people they're so so stupid because they haven't lived and they don't know that this is going to blow up. But sometimes they make really amazing innovations that you know things get really stuck in the rut. And they, everybody do, does things the way they used to. And, you know, there is there is a lot of value in and this country has been a very fast con- country for that reason, that people will go out and do it, you know, almost at the edge of the legal boundaries and change the way we do business. And I don't think that's terrible in government. I think sometimes we need to reinvent government. Just a point. I mean, uh, not, perhaps, I don't disagree, but, honestly. <laughs> but, uh, well, A, I, I, as, I, as I said, I think uh, companies like Lyft and Uber aren't great examples of how disruption makes things better. But um, also, uh, you know, the Trump administration is a terrible example of, you know, reinventing government. So, yeah. We can... Well, you know, from the from the beginning, I've said that whoever followed him is going to have an easier time of it because a lot of the cartels and uh, cabals cabals have been busted up in government. And so you you really I think Biden's going to have an easier time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. A lot of the people that were driven out, some of them very talented. But it is it is sort of a more of an empty slate than most presidents get. And sometimes that's an advantage when things weren't going well. Well, I, I, I John, are we at the, about the halfway point here? Yeah, uh, <laughs> about yeah. yeah so let's let's, yeah. let's take a short break, and uh, but I, I, I have to disagree with that. Um, and it, it, look for that's example, well, look for example at what's happening with uh, you know Radio Free Europe, uh, the uh, that whole sort of Voice of America enterprise, uh, the people Trump's put in there are uh, currently working to sign contracts to, um, you know, put themselves in power so that they can't be legally removed uh, once Joe Biden takes over, you know? So it's- Yeah, and that's in the opposite direction. Good point. And that's, that's, you know, that's, that's, you know, yeah. That's certainly the opposite of draining the swamp. Well, it's kind of like the the guy that Joe Biden wants to run it um, isn't that- isn't great anyway, so. Ooh, That's we're going to have to follow up on that conversation. <laughs> yeah, I guess we do. But anyway, so we're going to take a short <laughs> break, break here on civil politics. We're going to take a short break here on civil politics on Valley Free Radio. Uh, we're going to play some PSAs, promos, and station IDs, and then we'll be back with more. So don't go away. We'll be right back. Table of Contents is a weekly music program that assembles an assortment of songs and sounds of many genres, and which may entail literally taking a random collection of musical sources off the shelf and giving them a turn on the table or spin in the CD or tape player. Each week presenting shows which can at times be organized and orderly, and at other times perhaps be not as much so, yet never dull. 
Tune in Friday nights, 10 p.m. till midnight on WXOJ LP, Northampton 103.3 FM. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. Hey, this is Wendy, host of Valley Free Radio's subculture music program, featuring new wave, post-punk, indie, and electronic music from the 70s to today. Join me every Friday night from 8 to 10 p.m. here on WXOJ, or stream it live from your favorite listening device at valleyfreeradio.org. The Forbes Library staff would like to remind you of the incredible resource that you have in your local public library. We have tens of thousands of books for you to check out, music CDs, movies, newspapers from around the region, the state, and the country. We have a wide variety of magazines and free computer and internet access every day. We also have our incredible reference services there to help you answer particularly vexing problems. All of this is free, locally available at 20 West Street in Northampton. So come by and check us out in person or at www.forbeslibrary.org or call 587-1011 for more information. Science is real from the Big Bang to DNA. Join me for Evidence-Based Radio Friday nights from 6 to 7 p.m. to learn more about science and skepticism. You can email questions or topic requests to evidencebasedradio at gmail.com. That's Friday nights from 6 to 7 on Valley Free Radio. Science is real. And we're back with Civil Politics here on Valley Free Radio, WXOJLP 103.3 FM out of Northampton, Massachusetts. Uh, I'm still Michael Dow, and I'm still ringing in the new year here with uh, Sue Timberlake and John Roberts. Jesus Christ, Mike. Hey there. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so we're we're continuing to... To take a moment uh, as we're in this uh, transitional uh, point between one year and the next, as we're approaching the change between one presidency and the next, and uh, who knows what else is changing for this country, and uh, as uh, there's finally like the the hope of of widespread vaccinations for everybody, uh, you know, now that we've got three different working vaccines approved around the world. Um, so, uh, Sue, uh, you were talking about, uh, uh, how great it is when businesses come along and they shake things up with new inventions and innovations and, you know, uh, certainly, certainly new technology can be a wonderful thing. Uh, and that's, uh, uh. You know, nothing exemplifies that better than uh, these new vaccines that uh, we've developed at incredibly rapid pace uh, to deal with uh, COVID-19. The new uh, 
vaccines based on uh, messenger RNA uh, are, you know, fantastic and wonderful and uh, based on research uh, done at Johns Hopkins by uh, a woman whose name I'm forgetting right now. Um, and, you know, like, like th there's just enormous benefit to uh, continued research and development in, uh, you know, critical fields like that. So absolutely, I, I agree that that's a wonderful thing. Um, but the, uh, uh, an invention or discovery is, is, uh, you know, doesn't exist in a, in a vacuum and how we choose to, uh, develop it and employ it and integrate it into our society makes a big difference. And uh, the algorithms that Uber and Lyft create that make it easier for people to, you know, call for somebody to come pick them up and give them a ride somewhere, sure, that, that, that can be very useful and that's not a bad thing per se. But the practical result is that uh, a lot of people who had stable livings or whatever driving uh, taxi cabs have uh, been driven into the you know, driven into penury and they've been replaced with these crappy jobs where people, uh, uh, you know, are, are working very long hours and not getting, making all that much money and, you know, having to not shoulder all these costs themselves and yeah, they not, don't not have the, right. They don't have the advantage of being taxi drivers. Right. Well, they don't have the advantages right. of being, you know, actual independent professionals and they also don't have the advantages of being, you know, the paid employees of a company. So, and they don't have to know the streets or be efficient or any of those things because it's right. every tub on its own bottom. It's yeah, it's very competitive, very very right. competitive. And, and, and also, I I read an article, and I I have to look for it and find it for the show notes. But I read an article recently talking about how, um, in I think it was uh, Thailand. But, uh, you know, how uh, Uber or Lyft or some company like that, uh, you know, has, you know, there's this ride sharing uh, app that people use, but it only works because the people who are actually doing the, uh, you know, people who are doing these uh, uh, bike taxis uh, and picking people up uh, because they know important things about the layout of the city. You know, the, the app will be like, oh, well, there's a pickup for you and it's only 10 minutes away. But, you know, the app doesn't know like, oh, you can't go through that neighborhood because the people there don't like pedal taxis. And so they've blocked the streets and, you know, people will throw bricks Stone at them. you. Or yeah. Whatever. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. or, you know, our, our, you know, like that's uh, turf controlled by an, a rival company. And if we try to go in there, you know, they will attack us. So, you know, there's, there's all of this actual knowledge Learned. that's, you know, that they have to know. Developing. That, right. Yeah. And that doesn't have anything to do with the app. And the uh, uh, software doesn't uh, actually make what they do, you know, like the, 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 the business wouldn't work without what they know uh, independent of the, of the application. And so, you know, I, th I think it's easy to... Um, make too much of these developments and whatnot, you know? I think... Um, uh, like, the, like the cotton gin? Uh, 
Well, and actually, the, I was I'm making sorry, a I reference. I couldn't hear that. There was a, a, a what? Yeah, cotton gin, and what it just did to change the way the process went. But um, I'm thinking more of like foreign policy. Well, it where certainly we had made sort of, the slave economy uh, last a lot longer. Yeah. Great. Well, <laughs> um, I, I was really just speaking to the technological change. Yeah. But, I, right, but the technological change. Uh, one of the primary effects was it suddenly made uh, uh, the uh, growing cotton and uh, uh, producing it for export uh, much cheaper to do. So right. suddenly that changed the market, the, the market economics for enslaving people and forcing them to pick cotton. However, so, thumbs up. However, <laughs> so I was going to Sue was talking policy. about foreign policy. Yes, please, Sue. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, one of the things is some people have said, oh, great, you know, the foreign policy blob that does our foreign policy is going to come back in. You know, there's this great sort of morass of things that, you know, just kind of never happened. And, you know, a lot of meetings and all that. And the question is, can you have a breakthrough in how you deal with foreign policy? Can you innovate? in those areas? Can you have new blood? You know, some of the um, criticisms of Harvard teaching hospitals is if it wasn't invented here, then Massachusetts doesn't allow the technology. And, you know, that's happened a few times with medical procedures you could get on the West Coast, but it took many years for them to appear on the East Coast because of the the sort of the cartel of the Harvard teaching hospitals. So I guess I'm asking that fundamental question, you know, is there any value into breaking the eggs and then redoing it? You know, do you right. see no value in that or some value in that or what? I think I see the, tons of value in it, but you know. I think the um, one thing that we should look at when we're talking about the last four years is uh, we have seen the uh, the. <laughs> I don't want to Mass say exodus. negative side or like the dark side, but like the um, the result of of disruption that hurts people. That's what we've that that's what we've seen. Like we've seen the the underbelly of of disruption, uh, people getting fired, people like uh, services being cut, um, all of this stuff. He. Like one thing Trump did was get rid of a lot of people. The problem is that he either got rid of the wrong people or he installed people that were wrong just as people. So <laughs> or that we're trying to destroy the agency they were in charge of. Exactly. I mean, like yeah. that's that. I mean, if you think about like the Tea Party, that was like their stated purpose <laughs> to, to, to dismantle government. But like when you're yeah. when you're looking at. Uh, how the like because there was a disruption in caused by the Trump presidency in our government like this was this this was a, sure. yeah. this was definitely a disruption like Uber or Lyft um, because some people benefited a lot of people didn't and uh, it's going to be years of legislation and evolution to uh, to to either repair or to build up um, after after the disruption. So when we're thinking about that, there are benefits to being disruptive. There are benefits to being disruptive for people, for the for government. 
uh if done in a in the right way if done like when you're thinking about what you were going but just laying waste everything uh one thing that i always that i say to people when uh you know like some people voted for trump because they just wanted the the system to like crash they were like you know what the system if we burn down the system then we'll build the new better a uh, better one which is yep. dumb by the way acceleration is dumb that's my opinion but um anyway but if you if you think of this of policy or, or government as a house and you just want to and it's creaky there's problems with it it's still standing but it it uses it could use a lot of work if you burn down the house just set it on fire that means the people on the upper floors that have fire escapes they uh there are alarms and everything the fire is starting from the from like the top and going down so they have enough time to go like the people get out in the house can get out there are people there are still people stuck in the basement and the, yeah. and that house is going to collapse on them and they are like so we have to think about the people in the basement of the house that we're trying to torch if you if you dismantle the house uh without it collapsing then everybody can get out safely and it and timely if you want to repair the house it might be a lot of work and there might, and people might have to leave the house temporarily there are a lot of ways to repair or destroy this house without hurting people and the the way that the trump administration and the, you know other people like they they're they were trying to torch the house for the insurance money yep to raise it yep. yeah so they, yeah they, they want to raise the raise. exactly raise they want it, to yeah. raise the the house to the to the ground yeah. so yep. um but there are when you when you think about the history of foreign policy there have been innovations in foreign policy like over the past like 100 years you know like so we don't we don't uh relate to come to different countries in the same way as we did like before world war one you know like there are innovations in diplomacy it's just that with diplomacy it takes a very long time because there are norms social norms cultural clashes that have to be uh that have to be worked out and have to be worked around to actually reach accords so accommodate and harmonize exactly but there have been changes in how that happens uh we can just look at how embassies work how um how diplomats are treated in different countries who who we are sending as diplomats now versus then you know like so there there have been changes that that was my roundabout way of getting at that well and and also there there are changes like there are you know, international agreements for uh, free trade, you know, like the, you know, the North American Free Trade Zone or the European Union, you know, all of that's new. That's, that's, that's post-World War II, yeah. you know, like, like, so that radically changes uh, an important part of international relations, like yeah. how we do business with each other. And uh, 
you know, there's also NATO, the North Atlantic Free Trade, North Atlantic Treaty Organization, you know, so you've got like, you know, defense alliances and compacts and, you know, free trade zones and uh, international agreements about things like, uh, you know, greenhouse gas emissions or, uh, you know, you want something that's more effective, acid (laughs) rain and uh, CFCs, you know, the, you know, the hole in the ozone layer. So you could say that those are forms of disruption themselves. Like those are new things that radically change, Change. like like NATO radically changed, like how we relate to different countries, how different countries, like, so uh, I, I agree with Sue, mark that, uh, January (laughs) 1st, 2021, this is a new decade. (laughs) This is a new I agree with Sue wholeheartedly oh my that goodness. uh disruption can be a beneficial thing. Absolutely. I think that if you if you want to disrupt like if you want like Sue, I'm glad that you understand and, and agree with uh people like Bernie Sanders and AOC that we need to disrupt the how the government is yeah. run. <laughs> Yeah. Um, Welcome to the resistance, Sue. But uh, (laughs) my reputation is ruined. No, but I mean that's that's the thing. Like when we're when we're talking on, especially like on this show, we we do try to find some common ground. And one of the things is that change and evolution in government and in human interaction is vitally important for the survival of societies. you you evolve or you die that's pretty much it and and we uh if if we accept innovation and we accept things that will have to change um the only question is how we are going to do that and that is that i think ultimately is the the big question when we get into political ideology what are we going to do? How are we going to change things for the better? What our idea of better is? Um, so looking back over the last four years, like the there it was there was a vacancy of political ideology, basically, and there was a vacuum of it. And it got like a ton of them got sucked in. Like we have Mitch McConnell's ideology and uh and Trump's like whatever Trump believed in, you know, and all like Who's the 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 guy that was in charge of um the uh the oh, what was his name? No, the the balding guy. I hate saying that, but the <laughs> um balding in the guy. in the Trump administration, he he was uh he he Jeff did like the, the Muslim band uh the Muslim Jeff band Jeff Sessions? No, nah, not Jeff Se- not Jeff Sessions. Anyway, Mike Pompeo? No. Uh young guy um, Stephen Miller. Yes, thank Stephen you. <laughs> um, <laughs> God, that, portrayed as a snake on Saturday Night Live. Yeah. Which understandable. Um, you <laughs> have you have like you. Uh, basically, my 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 point is like we have we had a disruption of of government, uh, but there was no innovation to put in its place. It was just screw it you know like there was no there was no planning involved there was no structure and there wasn't even an ideology to like say what if like what if we did this crash the house down 
uh, and you didn't really have a plan, but at least you had an idea of what you like idea of a house that you wanted <laughs> like after. Yeah. But there there was no plan and there was no vision for what was going to come later after you after you, quote unquote, drained the swamp. Like, what do you do now? You, you have just a pit. You, you have a wet pit. What are you going to do in there? You know, a smoking hole. So yeah. you guys don't think the USMC is better than NAFTA? The one that got signed, that oh, got yeah. created from that. Uh, I don't know enough US- about either. So, yeah. um, the some people just said it was a continuation of NAFTA, but it you know changed a lot of the. There stuff are some Mexico. some updated rules and stuff. You know, like the, this yeah. was worked on by professional diplomats. It's just the the American diplomats were nuts. So, uh, like I heard a story about the about from the someone from the Canadian diplomatic office when they were talking about how they were negotiating and then, well, no, they, they would negotiate one thing. The next day they would come in and say, no, the president wants to completely change this. And it was driving them mad. Oh, (laughs) yeah. You, you can't negotiate with somebody who agrees to something and then reneges. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. So Mike, what were you saying? I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) So you disagree uh, with me? <laughs> uh, I well, uh, uh, I I think disruption is an important part of how societies grow. Uh, you know, uh, to be you know corny and cliche, Dr. King uh, and the civil rights movement certainly disrupted uh, American society, and we're all much better for it. So I know I am. Yeah. Well, I yeah. am too. I like seeing at the front of the bus and seeing what the driver's doing. It's fun. Uh, <laughs> I don't usually I, want to see what the driver's doing, to be honest with you. <laughs> reading I, their, reading their I, email I like on their being phone. able to sit at the front of the bus with you and not have to, like, you know, deal with us being shunted into different parts of the bus. So, well, if we were traveling, we'd be going by, like, limo or something, so. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> a free limo in every pot i don't know what that my mood is today but it's off so um yeah the the, the civil rights the civil rights movement was definitely disruption uh right. the uh um gay rights movement um like stonewall and uh the the women's suffrage was definitely a disruption um well you know the american I, revolution and to pick something more recent uh, uh, Affordable Care Act is arguably a disruption to the status quo of American health care. And it was, you know, a mixed bag, but uh, certainly its heart was in the right place. And it has definitely saved some lives and made some people's lives better. And, and I it's think held many, on in spite of many attacks. Yes, I would really call that on. a disruption, honestly. Well, I... I Sure. I you think you know, it made it more concrete what the insurance companies got and it, you I, know, concretized. I think it, when I think of a disruption, it. when I think of a disruption, it's more of a like a putting a spike in the in in the middle of a of an idea. You know, Uber sort of was like a disruption because. Option. Yeah, well, if, if if there was a public option like a robust public option, that, that would have definitely. But this was more of a making things easier kind of thing which is good it's good i'm not saying that the aca isn't good um incremental 
But yeah, it's incre- like a disruption would be, hey, Medicare for all. Boom. There we go. Because it would completely disrupt the insurance in industry that's what it, I, that's what it I think. absolutely would take and a I, lot of the profits out yeah it would take a lot of the profits and that out I, of it. I think is uh i think it's a bit that's a big part of what we need and i think uh, the coronavirus crisis is certainly making that clear and one of the the things that's disappointing about joe biden taking over as president is that's not something he's going to be pushing for one of the things yes yeah even though you know <laughs> it's you know like the 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 current uh uh crisis, uh, the, the the corona crisis, I think, has made clear how important it is to change how we do uh, health care in this country, that there are many desperately needed changes. And one of them is to not link people's ability to get health care with employment, because yeah, a lot of people the minute lost you their... get sick. Yeah. The minute well, you get sick, you lose your job. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and like... the minute and the minute like lots of people get sick and we shut down the country, a lot of people who aren't sick lose their jobs and then have to make we decisions about too. how yep. do they how do they get uh you know, how do they take care of themselves? Well, I guess they go out and get another job. And if it's a you know, a job that exposes them to coronavirus, then they get sick. And then how do they pay for that? Because the new job is a crappy job that doesn't provide health insurance and yada yada yada. So I want to see numbers about how many podcasts were were started in the last year. Uh, how many you, okay, how many new YouTube channels were started in the last year? I oh, like I think a lot. I think I, I think we're gonna have a lot of podcasts that are that are going because of that. Oh yeah, Joel yep. McHale and uh, 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 Ken Jeong started a podcast just because they were you know, shut, shut in because of, uh, coronavirus. So, yeah. you know, it's been fun to watch for community rerun, uh, re reunions and so forth. But <laughs> we are approaching the end of this, uh, somewhat meandering discussion. Um, <laughs> listen, it's vacation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. So, um, I, so I guess jo Sue genre, um, what, uh, what do you see is like, uh, a big change you're looking forward to coming up a thing, either that you, we'll be glad to see start or a thing you'll be glad to see end. Sue. Oh boy. Uh, I wish I'd prepared for this. Well, I just, I'm, I'm going to be glad when every 30 seconds on the news, there isn't a new amazing chaotic breaking news story that it just gets a little more ho hum, <laughs> you know, just a little bit less every 30 seconds that, incredibly disastrous something or other that happens. I'd like the pace to just be a little more. I want to see the headlines and not just constant sort of barragement of um, breaking news. Yeah. I think, I think Joe Biden's going to bring that. I think it's going to be a little more ho-hum. So. I'm looking forward to a president that doesn't read things like he's reading a, a, a book report. <laughs> like, uh, He's like as as someone that that thinks about voices and and audio and singing and stuff like that. It's monotone. It drives me nuts. <laughs> Trump reads things in a monotone, like in this and this and it's it drives me nutty. So having someone that actually knows how to speak publicly is going to be a, a beneficial thing for me personally. And Mike, <laughs> uh. I look forward to a government that won't be deliberately putting kids in cages and separating them from their parents. 
we'll see about that. Well, I remain <laughs> hopeful anyways. <laughs> oh, you optimist. And on a, on a trivial level, I look forward to a, a president who isn't going to sign a bill or an executive order and then hold up this big, stupid scrawl with a Sharpie to sort of show everybody. Oh, God, the Sharpie. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to have actual pens in the Oval that. Office. That's nice. Not a... Not yep. a anyway, so, caught myself. Anyway, so... <laughs> That's going to do Happy it for New Civil Year. Politics tonight. <laughs> uh, Happy New Year, everyone. Uh, we'll be back with more next week, uh, and we'll have a podcast of this out uh, available to the world over the weekend. And, um, yeah, stay tuned for uh, Subculture at 8, followed by uh, Table of Contents at 10 and OK Asia at midnight. And uh, come back and join us for more Civil Politics next week here on Valley Free Radio. Thanks for listening. Good night. Civil Politics is a member of the Planetside Podcast Network. To learn more, go to planetsidepodcasts.com.